The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when, when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed in me and believe that I have come from the Father. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you you are speaking plainly and not using figurative language. Now we know that you know all things and do not need, and do not need, anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each of you to his home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for, for your grace, for your love, for your power. Father, uh, we just pray with this scripture in mind. We know that uh, there's tribulation, there's difficulty, there's pain in this world. Lord, we pray that, uh, that we take heart, that we have confidence and boldness to know that uh, you have overcome the world, that you are greater than the world. And we just pray uh, for the message that, uh, that we listen, that it touches our hearts, and, uh, and that we let it change our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Trevor. You can take that over there, bud. Thanks, bud. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? All right. Well, we are going to be back in our series called Promises, and we're wrapping up today. And so if this is your first time here, my name is Randall, and I'm the, one of the pastors along with Billy here at Grace City. And uh, our text today is from John 16, verses 25 through 33. So if you haven't turned there yet in your Bibles, you can do that now. Um, but we've been going through this series of promises that Jesus gives to his disciples before he leaves. And uh, today we're gonna be talking about a really important promise. Because Jesus' disciples had just found out something really important. Uh, Jesus isn't going to be with them very much longer. And so they need this promise to hold on to. And they need to hold on to this one tightly uh, as he leaves them. It's this, that they're going to overcome. That they will overcome. But the way that they're going to overcome is not through their strength or through their ability, but through Jesus, through God, through his power, through his strength. And so our message today is called Overcoming. Uh, Now, I love underdog stories. Don't you love underdog stories? That's why we love the NCAA tournament and all these movies that come out, Rocky, all of that. Am I the only one? See, isn't there something in all of us that love an underdog story? Why is that? Recently, I was reading this article in Psychology Today called uh, The Appeal of the Underdog. And in that uh, particular article, uh, 
the, the author was writing about this appeal that we all have for the underdog. And so here's what he writes. His name's Dr. Nathan Hefflick, and it was a study done by the University of South Florida. He says this, We like to back the team that has its back against the wall. Not because we like backing losers, but because we like to see a team beat the odds. See, it's overcoming the odds. And that's what Jesus is talking to his disciples about today. He says, you're going to need something that's going to help you overcome the odds. See, the odds are heavily stacked against Jesus and his disciples. Jesus told his disciples he was going away. Judas was on his way to betray Jesus. And Jesus' disciples had no clue what was going on. And so they were not the cream of the crop. They were the least of these. They were the lowly, and what at this point seemed to be happening is Jesus and his plan was all starting to fall apart. Timothy Keller says it well. He says this about this text. He says, this is a real mission impossible. That really is a historical issue. Jesus sends out a bunch of illiterate fishermen and the like who have no rank in their country, they're in a country that at the same time in the world had virtually no political clout. And he says, go out there and turn the world upside down. For example, these Jewish fishermen had to go out to their fellow citizens and say, guess what? Yahweh, the uncreated creator, the transcendent king of the universe, the great God has become a penniless preacher who was crucified, the deliverer of the nation, and even the best of you are unclean unless you believe in him. How well is that going to go over? Do you, do you understand the, the situation that's happening here? Jesus and his disciples are in a situation where they're the underdogs. It's an unbeatable odds, seemingly. But then Jesus makes the promise. He says, they will overcome. And the Bible promises that those who are in Jesus will also as well overcome. If you are in Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus. See, here's what it says in 1 John. 1 John 5, 4 through 5 says this, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? See, so this promise wasn't just for Jesus and his disciples, but it's for you and me. It's for us. And so what do we learn from Jesus about overcoming seemingly unbeatable odds? Well, what we find is that there are three truths that we're gonna find in this text today. And they're really helpful for us. Uh, and so here, I'm gonna give you all three up, up front. Here's what it, they are. The three truths are this. The truth about ourselves, the truth about trials, and the truth about hope. The truth about ourselves, the truth about trials, the truth about hope. And so the first one is the truth about ourselves. And you're gonna find that in verse 32. And so Again, if you're looking at your Bible, look at verse 32. 
Jesus says it clearly. He says, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. In verse 32, right here, Jesus is pulling back the curtain on his disciples. Jesus is exposing the ugly truth about his disciples. They were not who they thought they were. See, as Jesus' disciples sat there and they're listening to Jesus say these things, I'm sure this is probably what went through their mind. Jesus, I would never abandon you. I would never leave you alone. Jesus, you're probably talking about the other disciple next to me, but you're not talking about me. No, no way you're talking about me. Jesus was exposing the truth about themselves. Themselves. And in order for us to overcome, we have to be exposed like this. On this text, commentator D.A. Carson writes, he says, Peter had already been warned of his impending failure. Now all the disciples are forced to face their failure or their fears as they hear a similar prediction that embraces them all. Yeah, I heard the one about Peter earlier, but now you're talking about all of us? See, in John 13, 38, Jesus said to, to Peter, he says, you're gonna deny me. Jesus, Jesus just talked about how he was gonna leave and Peter says, I'll be with you till the end. I will die for you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you won't. You'll walk away. See, the truth was, Jesus' disciples were quickly going to desert him. Many of them were going to walk away, says to their own homes. And, and here's what we do. We look at passages in the Bible like that, and we look at it and we say, well, those disciples, they're at it again. They're walking away from Jesus. They're not listening to Jesus. They're doing it again. How could they? I would have never left Jesus alone like that. But what that does is exposes the same truth that was in the disciples. It's in us. See, here's the truth. <laughs> when we're exposed, we realize that our faith is a lot more fickle than we thought it was. That we as the truth is revealed, are a lot more unenlightened than we thought we truly were. See, it's not just the disciples that needed to be exposed. It's you and me. It's all of us. Uh, I remember the phone call I got from my brother, and uh, what, what he said was, he said, Randall, um, our bikes were stolen. I said, what? what? What happened? He says, you wouldn't believe it. Our, uh, our neighbor from across the street, in the middle of the day, walked into our backyard, checked the shed, opened the shed, and started taking the bikes out with his friends. And so they took our bikes out of the shed, walked them across the street, 
and uh, we're spray painting them in his garage with the garage door wide open and he rode them off and my brother saw, my other brother saw him driving the bikes off and this guy to, to my brother's face said, that's not, these aren't your bikes. And so he kept driving his away. So my youngest brother called the police <laughs> and said, hey, our bikes are being stolen. And so they came over and they said, this is where the guy is and all that stuff. And so they tell him where he is and uh, he goes over there and they take him in for questioning. And they say, hey, did, did you steal these guys' bikes? I said, no, those are different bikes. Not their bikes. So well, that's that's really interesting. So you're saying to me that you didn't you didn't take those bikes? No, we didn't take them. And uh, what he didn't know was uh, my brother had been videotaping the whole time. <laughs> now this is back before iPhones and all that stuff. So he had the big old camcorder deal, right? <laughs> He's doing one of these numbers, and I uh, gave it to the police. And so they they pushed in the tape, and they're saying this, the cops says, so, so that's not you right there, walking in the backyard. See, my brother is savvy, man. He's back there videotaping the whole time <laughs> and videotaping them while they're in their garage. The truth was exposed, right? Like they, 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 but, but here's the thing. It didn't matter how much the, the officers would have questioned them. They would have said, no, that wasn't us. It, we, we, we didn't do it. And so what had to happen was they had to show them the tape. See, a lot of the times what happens is when, when we're told like, hey, this is, this is the truth, we don't really listen, do we? But we have to be shown the truth, don't we? And that's the thing that, that happens here for the disciples. And what's going to happen is they're going to go through a difficult time that's going to show them that they're not as faithful as they thought they were. And the ugly truth is going to come out. Jesus is going to say, guys, it's, it's time to watch the tape. So what happens when the tape is shown? We all need grace. <laughs> we all need grace. We all need to know that, yeah, that's me. I need God's grace. And so what does God do to allow us to be exposed like this and like the disciples are going to? Well, it's the second point, and it's the scary point. It's this, trials. Trials. You'll see it in verse 33. Jesus says to his disciples, in the world you will have tribulation. Tribulation. What is it that exposes the human heart more than anything else? Tribulation, trials, difficulties. See, these are the moments we break down and the truth comes out. We either realize that we're not in charge of our life and that God is, or we try to hold on to control and usually that doesn't work, right? Or what happens is we, 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 we either admit that we don't have it all together and that, that God, we need you? Or what happens is we try to put on a phony facade and act like we have it all together. See, here's the promise. Jesus promises, 
in the world, you will have tribulation. It's not if, it's when. And if you haven't faced trials yet, just wait. It happens to all of us. And here's the options. Our options are we can go through trials with God or without God. But either way, we will face trials and tribulations. They come. I remember um, I was asked to help a church planter. And it was right before he had planted his church. And so I was asked to help him out a little bit and uh, just give some advice. And one of the things that I noticed really quickly as I talked to this church planter was that he hadn't been through really a, a lot of difficult things. He just, it just was like this, yeah, this is gonna be great and, and everything's gonna be perfect and here's my plan and here's my strategy and here's all these things that are gonna happen. And, and, um, and I was asked, like, well, well, what do you think, you know, that, that he needs to know before he gets out there and does the church plan? And I said, the thing that concerns me the most is that it seems like he hasn't faced major obstacles or embraced them enough to know that they're gonna come. You see, it's gonna happen for all of us. And if we don't allow God to expose us and say, hey God, we need you, then we walk around foolishly, very self-reliant, not God-reliant. And more than anything, that's the danger. That's the danger. Right, like we talk about tribulation, difficulty, trials. We think that the, the danger is, well, that personal thing that we're going through, but the real danger is how we're approaching it. Am I approaching it dependent on myself or on God? That's the real danger that Jesus is warning his disciples of. See, this word for tribulation in the Greek, it's, it, it can be translated as eternal punishment or a reference to persecution. And so commentators are like, well, what, what, what is it? Which one is it? And what it is, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of, of, of both. See, tribulation will either be temporary or eternal. That's what we find out from the scriptures, that it's either temporary or eternal. And the only way that it's temporary is when God is at the center of it. Everybody's gonna face it, but the only way that it's not eternal is when, when God, we're relying on him, knowing that he's gonna be the one who pulls us through. See, this is the difference. The difference is the last point. It's this. Verse 33, it talks about the hope, the hope we have. The hope we have, and it's found in verse 33. Look at it, it says, I love this, this verse. Take this to heart right here. It says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Ah, you're going to face tribulation. Ah, you're going to face difficulties. But, but what do you take heart in? Take heart in that he has overcome the world. Take heart can be translated as unflinching courage and it is the result of God infusing you with strength that you didn't have. Infusing you in your inner being with strength that you didn't have. Infusing you with ability that you didn't have. See, here's what he's saying true hope is. It's having an unflinching courage knowing that Jesus is enough. Knowing that whatever I'm gonna face in life, that Jesus is enough. He's saying you want peace in your life through trials? What he's saying is this. He's saying I dare you to find courage in me to find courage in my word, to find courage in who I am and what I've done. He's looking at his disciples, he's saying, would you trust me? Would you trust me? I dare you to trust me. And just wait and see what happens. See, this is the message of the gospel. This is why the message of Christianity is good news is because here's the thing, many of us, we take dares and leaps based on our ability and here's the thing, we try to do it on our own and, and, and if you've ever failed before, it hurts. But Jesus is saying, you wanna you want find true life, you wanna find true rest, you wanna find true peace, you wanna find an ability to overcome when it's easy to give up? Put your hope in me. And what it's going to be, it's God's grace and his work that's going to cover you. He's going to be enough. You see, for the disciples, they could either take this on their shoulders and say, oh no, how are we going to do it? Or they could say, God, you're enough. This rests on the shoulders of Jesus. What we find is that the disciples didn't have the character to carry the weight of what they were going to do next. They didn't have it. They were just exposed. And C.H. Dodd says it well. He says, It is part of the character and genius of the church that at its foundation, or that its foundation members were discredited men. It owed its existence not to their faith, courage, or virtue, but to what Christ had done with them. And this they could never forget. It's just drilled into him like, you'll never forget this. It is God who did it. It's God who did it. So what's our hope? It's Jesus, that he overcame the world. That we have a God who gives grace to hopeless people. The people that, that don't have the virtue, we don't have the credentials, we don't have those things. Jesus gave them hope. Because he said, I'm not expecting you to overcome the world because I'm going to do it. And all I'm expecting is that you put your faith in me. Put your hope in me. Put your trust in me. I will get you through. So how does this practically work into our lives? Well, I'm going to give you two um, 
ways in which this, this works into our lives. Number one, <clears throat> it's this. Courageously embrace the truth. Courageously embrace the truth. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> First, it's twofold. First, courageously embrace the truth about yourself. Courageously embrace the truth about this, yourself. This is the scary part. <clears throat> Flannery O'Connor once wrote this. She says, to know oneself is above all to know what one lacks. It is the measure oneself, to measure oneself against truth and not the other way around. The first product of self-knowledge is humility. <clears throat> See, this is where the gospel starts in our lives and becomes good news. It's in knowing the lack we have within ourselves and that's a scary truth to embrace. It's one that we don't really want to volunteer to do. <clears throat> but the only way that the gospel becomes good news <clears throat> is when we know we need something. When we know we need God. And we know that he's there for us. And so the first one is, <clears throat> excuse me, embrace the truth about yourself. The second one is, Embrace the truth about God. Embrace the truth about God. So this is from the text. What does Jesus hold on to in his most difficult moment? Truth. Check it out. Verse 32. He says to his disciples, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet, I am not alone, for the Father is with me. So Jesus had to embrace the reality and the truth of that he was alone. Right, that he was, he was left out there alone. Yet, he wasn't really alone. His Father was with him. His Father was with him. I'm not alone. See, how are you meeting difficulty and challenges with the truth of God? Because there are going to be moments where you're depressed, where you feel like you're isolated, where you feel like you're alone and, you're, and nobody gets you. You will. But what does Jesus turn to? He turns to the fact that the Father was with him. Right? The father would walk through it with him. And the truth was he wasn't alone. How are we combating the lies with the truth of God? Do we know this to be able to say what Jesus says? Feels like I'm alone, but I'm not really alone. Right? Like that, that's how you will overcome it's through the word. Last night, we had a little difficulty in our household. We, we were about to get to bed, and our youngest, Ava, had run uh, into the garage real quick and was running back in, slipped, hit her head on the edge of one of the door, like at the bottom of the door, and it just split her eye wide open right over here. 
And so we're freaking out. You know, it's like, whoa, blood's everywhere. It's just gushing. She's our little three-year-old little girl. And um, if you hang around her long enough, she's just like this bubbly, funny little girl. And, and she's screaming, and we're like, oh, no, what's going to happen, you know? And so we, we clean her up, and she's getting scared. She's like, am I going to get shots? What's going to happen to me? We say, ah, we don't know. We're just going to take it. And so we took her into urgent care. And the doctor looks at her and he just closes it up and, and, and glues it back together. And we were just so impressed with our little girl because she's just laying there uh, on the, the table and he's asking her questions and she's just answering them very calmly, just looking at us, <laughs> you know, and, um, and she's answering them calmly. And, and so she gets all fixed up and we get, get her in the car and we, we asked her, you know, Ava, well, like, you were just so calm. You were so brave in there. And she's, she, we were just like, she's just like, well, I, I knew that you were with me. I knew that you were with me. And so it made me brave. And, and that's, that's what it means to go through and overcome as a Christian. It's to know that he is with you and he makes you brave. And as difficult as it was, I'm happy to report that Ava loves her new purple eyebrow. She told us last night, she said, I love my new purple eyebrow. So she's like, I don't know if people are going to recognize me tomorrow at church, but they think they might. But she loves her new purple eyebrow. See, that's the thing. You just kind of go through it. It gets you through. The second is this, to understand what you have in Jesus. To understand what you have in Jesus. I, I think many of us don't understand what we have in Jesus. And so, here's my question. How do you see yourself? Because Jesus dares us to trust him. He dares us to believe what he says about us. And so I want to wrap up really by reading this quote from a pastor, Daniel Montgomery. Here's what he says. And, and I want you to think, do you really believe this? In Christ, you are joined to Jesus in such a way that God the Father can never think any less of you than he thinks of Jesus. That's shocking, right? Your failures are wiped away. Your shortfallings no longer fall short. And your future is secure. Your truest identity isn't the failure-prone fool who never seems to lose enough weight or gain enough ground to impress people around you. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. You have no failures to hide and no triumphs to hide behind. The risen king has become your righteousness and your standing before God no longer depends on you. Do you believe that Jesus is enough today? See, this is real life. This is real life. And so the, the writer of the book of John, right? Wasn't only just some abstract person out there. He sat in front of Jesus. He, he experienced it. He knew what was coming and he saw the trials that Jesus would go through. And so when he writes that in 1 John 5, 4 through 5, 
the Apostle John wasn't just a person who just sat in front of Jesus and said, yeah, that's, that's a good thought. But he lived it. And by the end of his life, he was able to say, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? What's the promise? The promise is that you will overcome through Jesus. It's Jesus. It's believing in the Son of God. So my question is, do you believe today that he is enough? Because this promise, it's secure for those of us who believe. I dare you to trust him today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you take underdogs with really unbeatable odds and you make us overcomers. I mean, we're the, the Cinderella story because of Jesus. And so I pray today that we will hold tightly onto him and what he's done and that God, you will give us the grace to trust you through whatever trials that we're going through in life, whatever we will face, because the trial above any trial has been finished on the cross. Give us hope today in Jesus, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.